RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Well, you've probably heard Phil Tauturangi on the Peter Williams Afternoon Show here at Reality Check Radio. Well, he's here on our breakfast show this Friday morning because it's a big sporting weekend and I thought it would be good to have Phil on to sort of talk about what's already happened but what's coming up as well. So, Phil Tauturangi, welcome to RCR Breakfast this Friday morning. Nice to have you. Yeah, Paul, nice to be on with you. Talking a little sport as it comes to the end of the week. Yeah, and um, I mean, we're kind of spoiled here. Let's start with the football and the White Ferns and how they did in the FIFA World Cup. I'd make two points about this not being a great sporting person. I I did hear, you know, as it was reported news-wise, that, you know, that there was slow selling um, before the event started. Tickets were given away. But from what I've seen, you know, some of the... Um, images on social media, some of the reporting, there've been plenty of people in stadiums. So it really seems to have been, you know, quite the event. Is that how you perceive it? Yeah, I think it's huge, um, Paul. I also could admit to being just a mild football fan, to be fair. Um, not uh, not a super nut at all across both the men's or the women's game. But when an event like this comes to town, uh, second only to the Olympics when FIFA get involved, uh, the, you know, the, you know, you, you, it's maybe a once in a lifetime event. And so for a lot of um, football fans, both, you know, fans of the men's or the women's game uh, have been out in force to, to support. I think there's been a lot of families um, that have taken the opportunity, not too dissimilar from the rugby women's uh, world cup that was on last year opportunity to get out and enjoy the, the festive atmosphere. There have been a number of afternoon games uh, that that families have been able to take advantage of. And then there's been some pretty decent football uh, 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 on show as well. And so, um, you know, I think the the curiosity at the start of the uh, – and look, look, sports fans in New Zealand are, are notorious for being walk-ups. You know, they, they, they don't tend to – get their tickets ahead of time if they don't have to. And if there's space and the capacity, they, hey, look, let's look at the weather or what have we got on this weekend? And um, if there's tickets still available, they tend to put it on the calendar. But I think that, you know, games have been well supported in the regions. They've been supported when New Zealand hasn't been playing. And so, um, you know, I think for, for the organisers who were nervous at the start and maybe some more tickets were given away than they hoped would have been paid for. But, when you get uh, when you get crowds with a, a huge event, it's great for the players to play in that sort of environment. I think you've seen, um, you know, some some wonderful scenes here that will go down in our sporting history. Is there trickle down though? You know, from I guess FIFA pay out money for this. Does it trickle down to clubs and you know players? Yeah, well, I think the legacy of this event may not be the. Women's white fans who unfortunately got knocked out last weekend and, and no longer part of the uh, the event, but the upgrade in facilities because of the FIFA standards uh, that they they had re, you know pretty staunch requirements for the practice facilities um, and for the playing pitches in Hamilton, Auckland, um, and down in Dunedin and, and Wellington, of course, as well. Um, that will be the legacy because all of the amateur players, all of these um, you know, age group players, all of the club players will get the benefits of those facility upgrades in the years to come. And so, um, you know, I, I think 
that the event will live a lot longer in New Zealand sporting uh, the sporting environment more than just a couple of weeks' time when when it all comes to a close here in New Zealand. So I think you know in that regard, um, actually landing FIFA coming to New Zealand, it's been a massive injection in our economy. Oh, how we don't where we really need that at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but um, but I, I think from you know, whether it be the men's game or the women's game, having an event of this scale in New Zealand, most sports fans probably don't realise just how how huge this is. And, um, you know, the trickle-down effect probably will, will last for a long, long time afterwards and more so in the amateur game than in the professional game. Yeah, and, and also what I picked up on is that it shows you that, um, that women's sport is popular. I've heard various commentators sort of criticise the, I guess, the, what people thought was the potential of women's sport. You know, you, you're over-egging it, you, you're talking it up. Uh, men's sport's always more popular, more people go to men's events. Actually, turns out, from what I can see, that, um, you know, w- women's sports, when they, you know, women's soccer, for example, in this case, in a country that's, well, maybe we, we were bigger soccer fans than we, we, we kind of knew, but it actually is popular. So that argument is sort of has been kicked for touch in a way. Yeah, well, it's the beautiful game uh, and second to none as far as sport is concerned. And look, we've got a lot of sports in New Zealand that we 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 follow closely, um, but you know n- nothing's bigger than in the in the world um, sport as far as football is concerned. And, and and so getting this you know women's World Cup here. It, you know, for, for you and me and people of our generation, we're not going to see that event in New Zealand again in our lifetimes. That's Maybe right. some att- attended may get a chance um, to, to see that here again. It's, you know, the first time I'm aware of that the Women's World Cup has actually been hosted in the wintertime. Uh, it's normally played at the back end of the summer in the Northern Hemisphere. And so uh, I think that's been a first. It's been a bit of a challenge, I think, for some of the, the teams coming out of the Northern Hemisphere, and it's something that people don't tend to try and bend from, but there seemed to be a willingness to bring it to New Zealand and Australia a number of years ago. And so, look, I think women's sport is getting a lot of investment pumped into it. Um, I'm not sure that the, the commercial realities stack up quite as 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 much as they um, will do in years in the future, but at this at that stage at this stage, excuse me, um, they've been well financed uh, and with a little bit of luck, they're being well supported as well. Yeah, well, the numbers in the stadiums maybe tell you something. Okay, so that's football. Now we're on to netball, and oh dear, but sad for the Silver Ferns, Phil. Sure was, Paul, uh, after coming off the draw with the South Africans, which had never happened in a World Cup previously. Um, they were looking to bounce back against the South, uh, the Jamaicans, the Sunshine Girls, overnight. Uh, stayed up li- late last night and watched that. I'm sure a lot of uh, Silver Ferns fans were intent on seeing how the Silver Ferns would respond. Unfortunately, after a, a bit of a quick start, they were kind of never in the in the match. The Sunshine Girls with the Janelle Fowler underneath the rim, who just towered over. Uh, uh, our, our defenders uh, and made pretty easy work of it. 
Um, look, it, it ebbed and flowed uh, throughout the course of the match, where the Ferns seemed to make a couple of intercepts and and get back into the game and, and tied up at different stages. But after leading early, uh, never had a lead for the rest of the match. And in fact, the last quarter it blew out to an uh, eleven goal deficit. And so, oh dear, uh, yeah, never never had the Silver Ferns lost to Jamaica in a World Cup. And so a couple of worrying signs here for the Silver Ferns. They they have made it through to the semi-finals. Um, it was all dependent upon the result with South Africa playing against Uganda. That ended up only being a two-goal deficit with South Africa getting up. So on goal differential, the Silver Ferns will go through. And normally, of course, you would expect in World Cups that Australia would have beaten England yeah, but earlier on in the evening last night, England tipped up Australia as well, and so it's thrown um, all of the uh, intended matchups, I think, or expected matchups in the semi-finals out. So the the Silver Ferns will in fact play England, who they've only lost to once before. That was always back in uh, 1975. They've had a, a a pretty decent record against the English in in recent times. Uh, and certainly the last time they played them earlier this year, they tipped up the English over in the quad series over in England. And so they will play England in the semi-finals, and Jamaica will play the Australians. And we'll see if the Silver Ferns can turn things around and make it through to the final and match the uh, Australians there. Wow. Okay. Let's go to rugby. All Blacks team playing the Wallabies this weekend and the World Cup squad are they being named? Is it Sunday? Yeah, it's on Sunday, Paul. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting with the Bledisloe tucked away for the 20, I think it's 22nd consecutive, 21st, 22nd consecutive. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the Aussies, they, we need to send them a photo of it because yeah. they, they haven't seen, seen it. For they could a, 3D print a replica and tw- look, 20 look at that. Consecutive years. Um, it's, it's, you know, you don't want to count on it. And yes, it's a, a short, short go round this year with um, the rugby championship just being from one home and away, excuse me, not even a home and away game uh, against Argentina and, and Aussie and the South Africans with the World Cup coming around. And so all of a sudden a, a stunted season and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe get to the World Cup naming in, in, just, a, in just a little bit. That's on Sunday. Uh, Foster and Co have rung a whole heap of changes this uh, this coming weekend. I guess to try and I I don't know if he's giving a hint to the to the players that there are a couple of spots still up for grabs. He would be, wouldn't he? Yeah, look, I think I've had a little look through it, and I'm a, a, a ardent All Blacks fan and, and 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 rugby fan here, and keep a pretty close eye on on things. You know, I think the squad's pretty much ninety. However, many percent uh, selected itself. I've, I've got thirty names on my sheet, Paul, that that won't change regardless of what the result is on Saturday night. But there have been a couple of players that have been given a chance. Um, a couple on the outside backs, where Sean Stevenson, after a um, a massive Super Rugby campaign and, and not originally getting selected, gets an opportunity on the wing. Um, I'm not expecting his name to be named on the sheet to go to Paris, but Lester Fayanuku on the other side also gets a chance at uh, at wing to try and impress. It's it's pretty cluttered out in the outfit in the outside backs um, to try and get a start. 
Um, <clears throat> but up front, excuse me, uh, Sam Penny Finau getting a chance to um, put his foot forward in one of the uh, loose field forward uh, positions at, at blindside, getting an opportunity for his first test match this weekend. <clears throat> and, and it will be interesting to see uh, with Tamaiti Williams also getting another shot, whether he actually nails down that fifth propping spot. And so um, it, there are a number of, number of positions up for grabs, but I think there's probably three seats on the bus uh, that people are playing for. Um, Dallas McLeod, the other one that's getting an opportunity, the Crusader off of their bench, uh, who the selectors were very hot on when they picked him for the rugby championship. He hasn't had an opportunity thus far. Um, fit and healthy, has had to do his time, um, you know, not even being in a 23 the last few weeks, has uh, been training the house down, gets his opportunity under the roof in Dunedin. And so with just a few spots left, uh, wonder if he might be the bolter also that uh, gets his name on the list on Sunday. All right, let's see what happens. I've always had the impression, moving on to the Warriors, that you know that they've always been kind of not quite ever making it recently anyway. But I see five weeks left in the regular season, currently third on the ladder. Well, yeah, that ain't on- too bad. No, it really ain't. Um, and it kind of make to make things even sound a little bit better. And 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 look, I'm, you know, I'm n- not not the most fervent uh, Warriors supporter at all. Um, and I'm possibly accused of being a little bit on the bandwagon in 2023. But <clears throat> with uh, their performances this year, a, 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 a um, by last week, an extra couple of points, they're third on the ladder. And when you have a look at these uh, last five weeks of the season, Paul, none of the teams that they're playing against are higher on the ladder than the Warriors. Titans this coming up weekend are currently 12th on the ladder. The West Tigers are you know, odds on that they're going to be the uh, wooden spooners this coming year. Mostly the Sea Eagles are the toughest game of the lot. Dragons they beat um, handsomely in pool play a few months back and then they'll round out the regular season playing against the Dolphins, so currently 13th on the table. So it's it looks good at this stage that the Warriors, not only will they be inside the eight and make it to the playoffs, but how high can they finish um, to ensure that they get a couple of home finals here um, leading up towards the grand final. Uh, it, they've only made it to the grand final uh, a couple of times. And so, um, look, the, the, the Warriors have... Been that enigma, I think you're right. Uh, over the last, you know, twenty odd years, uh, a, a, a huge fan base that every uh, every February, this is our year. This is our year. Yeah, that's and, right. And 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 maybe maybe um, 2023 is the Warriors year. But five weeks to go. Yeah, all sorts of different things can can happen. A couple of injuries could change their season completely. Um, having said that. Um, there's been some very promising signs, and I know the Warriors faithful will be out in force over the next few weeks as they um, they come towards the finish line of the regular season. And boy, are they faithful. Wow, they are. All right. Um, I know it's the end of the Ashes. Uh, well, I know it's the Ashes is on because I saw a picture of Mick Jagger at the Ashes today. <laughs> so he was there with his hat on, 80 years old. Apparently he drops in quite a bit. So we've got that. And also... Um, Williamson, is it? A name yeah. for the 
black uh, black cap squad for the cricket world cup so let's talk yeah. about cricket quickly yeah the, the ashes i mean it's the middle of winter here in new zealand so cricket doesn't get much playtime um however when the ashes is on if you're um you're a sports fan you're a cricket fan it's um one of the most compelling um competitions it's, it's it's a lot like the uh, state of origin where we don't actually have a horse in the race but if you're a sports fan you're um you're always interested in it i guess we do have a connection to it because the coach of the english is uh brian mccullum and daniel vittori on the that's coach right yeah yeah right it's, it's a little bit extra wrinkle i guess for for kiwis it, uh, it look it ended up in a two two all draw in the end um, earlier this week with uh, the conclusion of the Ashens. So uh, the, the Aussies, despite them holding on to the Laloon and taking it home and, and not uh, not coming up against the Poms for another 18 months, next time we'll be back down in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, it, it ended in a two-all draw. So the Aussies still yet to win an Ashes series in the UK, um, and and I think all odds would have been on that this was the year with the Aussies picking up the first two legs, the very controversial circumstances of uh, Johnny Bairstow's wicket being given out at Lords, and and all of the backlash that came around that. McCullum, you know, vowed that the Aussies would would regret that, uh, and in, in impressive form, they um, yeah, look they they. They picked up that last test match, and I think there was a lot more on the line when it was so-called a dead rubber. Well, um, there was no such thing, I think, from McCullum's players um, on this occasion. And I think with Stuart Broad, you know, calling calling it a day on his his career, and him being the uh, the the bowler to pick up the last two wickets. So there was um, it, the interesting thing in this pool, and, and I know you you know necessarily follow cricket so closely but the interesting thing in all of this was a bit of the bad blood that was brewed um, early or midway through the series um, is that usually after sporting events and McCullum is, um, is is famous for this when he was in his playing days is that you you leave the game on the pitch when you walk back over the white rope it's you know there's, there's a lot of good friendships that uh, are fostered even though nationally you might be on the opposing teams but in this occasion after the uh, Poms won that final test match of the series um, a lot was made of uh, the locker room being closed the Aussies were coming across knocking on saying hey look let's have a beer it's the end of the series they were stonewalled by uh, by the English team oh. and uh, mm. there's not 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 a lot of socializing after the, the series was all done so I think there was a bit of bad blood. There were what always tends to be in the Ashes series, but I think they went to a new level this time around. It'll be interesting to see. Baz, is, um, as, as he's affectionately known, has uh, taken and revolutionised Test cricket. I think for the uh, for the English, um, Baz ball as it's as it's known is in force now. Twenty twenty cricket is kind of having its way all the way through Test match cricket. And I've got to say, um, as a fan. It's so much more fun when a lot of runs are being scored, a lot of wickets yeah. are being taken. Um, yeah, there's a bit of careless cricket from time to time, but um, McCullum was always a fan of trying, when he was a captain of the Black Caps, trying to achieve a result. And I think his fans uh, win, lose, draw. Um, less draws, more wins and losses, and I think the sport is um, 
the test cricket certainly is in a healthy spot right now. Okay, and do we talk about? Um, do we touch on Williamson? Yeah, came, yeah, back 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 in the nets, and I think most probably teasing cricket fans here in New Zealand that um, that after the the horrendous knee injury uh, ruptured, I think ruptured or torn anterior cruciate ligament in the uh, mm. uh, his his World Cup hopes probably still a little slim to be available for the Black Caps later in the season, but encouraging signs seeing him back in the nets. Um, you can guarantee he'll be doing everything he possibly can. It sounds like a lot of the early words out of the physio room is that McCullum may be not available to start the tournament, but possibly around towards the back end. And so um, given a player of that calibre willing to, to to carry him through the first parts of the, uh, of the tournament um, with the chances of finding some health and form in, in the knockout stages. So we'll keep an eye on that. But anytime you see Kane Williamson back in the nets after an injury break, it's a um, it's a good sign for Black Caps fans. Well, you'd have to be committed, wouldn't you, to give it another shot after that. All yeah. right. Your wheelhouse, golf, Kiwis in action around the world, and Tiger Woods becomes a player director on the PGA Tour. Okay, yeah, there's so, actually yeah. not a lot. Kiwis actually in action this, this, this coming week, Paul. Um Ryan Fox has actually opted not to play in the US this week. Um, his, his PGA Tour card um, was trying to wrap that up and, and have uh, playing rights in um, in the States for, for next year. He's opted actually to take a week off. Um, I think he's a little bit, little time to recharge the uh, recharge the batteries a little bit. Uh, Lydia Ko has had a really, uh, quite a curious season. Only one top 10 on the season. Paul and, and for the number one player in the world, as it was at the uh, at the start of 2023, she's tumbled down the world rankings, and um, and it, it's fair to say she's been battling all sorts of different things this year. A um, not only a slump of form, but a couple of injuries. She spent the last couple of days in Paris preparing for the Olympics next this time next year, um, playing the course there um, before heading over to. The final major on the women's uh, circuit, which will be the women's British Open in a couple of weeks. So I'm European Tour, DP World Tour is off. So Daniel Hillier uh, not playing there either. Uh, Steve Alker, a, a really tough finish to the men's senior British Open this past week in all sorts of crazy weather in Wales. So um, his game got knocked around a wee bit. But that, that final little note there about Tiger Woods. Um, you don't need to introduce him. His career speaks for itself. But largely, he stayed away from any of the, in parentheses, politics of the PGA Tour. Long been the most influential player in the sport and certainly the most influential figure around the PGA Tour outside of the commissioner of the PGA Tour. But in the last couple of years, of course, the men's game has been kind of tipped upside down with the Saudi league coming to the fore with players being paid you know crazy amounts of uh, money to go and play on the live circuit um, this deal that's been done in the last couple of weeks behind closed doors um, and without a lot of the players on the PGA tour knowing has caused a lot of players to wonder what the hell is going on with those in the governance roles. 
And so a, a letter was penned to the commissioner, um, signed by a number of the top players on the PGA Tour, um, saying they want more control over the running of the tour and of its business. They then for, um, and, and this has is, is mostly been a little while in the works and behind the doors, is that uh, Tiger Woods now entering into a governance role. So he's become a player director. He's been appointed um, by the players, not elected. It, to become a player director on the PGA Tour, um, you're normally elected by your peers at the end of each year. Tiger doesn't need to be elected, appointed. Um, and a lot of commentary in the last couple of days about a player of his stature um, having the not only the business interests but the playing interests of the majority of the PGA Tour um, in, in the players' best interests. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to go forward here because the players have, have largely left the business runnings of the best tour in the world to the independent directors, those that, that are CEOs, chairman of um, Fortune 100 companies around the world. Uh, on in recent times, they've decided, you know what, we want to be at the boardroom table making the decisions. And so Tiger Woods now finds himself not on, not in a playing role as much anymore, but in a director role. And it's going to be interesting to see just how that affects the business affairs of the PGA Tour going forward. All right. Well, that's been really interesting. We've covered quite a bit there. Thanks, Phil, for coming on RCR Breakfast and um, sort of queuing up the weekend sport and, you know, also talking as interesting uh, about uh, Tiger Woods there and um, and what you explained there. So thanks for coming on the show. And I, I think we'll have another chat again soon, like this one. Yeah, appreciate it, Paul. It's a big, big weekend of sport. Um, all the best, I guess, to the uh, Silver Ferns over in South Africa. The- yeah. Yeah. All Blacks weekend, and um, and I guess we'll keep an eye on the, uh, the women's football as well, even though the, the White Ferns have now been knocked out. Phil Tautarangi, thanks so much. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.